It was I think 10:30 or 11 in the night my friend and I were waiting for the last bus that would take us to the airport in the beautiful stunning city of Vienna. Shouldn't we take a cab? Uh we were slightly uncomfortable to take the bus at that hour. Don't worry madam this is the best way to get to the airport. The concierge insisted. We agreed. As we got into the bus to make us even more uncomfortable we realized that there was nobody like literally nobody in the bus other than two of us and the driver who by the way did not know how to speak english he smiled awkwardly nodded and welcomed us we all stared outside the window the city of vienna at that hour with all the beautiful lighting was looking pristine i couldn't resist myself i requested if i could sit next to him in that little chair He nodded and agreed without paying much attention. In some time my friend joined us and there was this music playing on the radio that we could not make any sense of until they played Michael Jackson's independent album. We realized that though he didn't know English, he knew the song and we all were grooving with each pause with the lyrics and thoroughly enjoying ourselves. That was my first experience where I realized how music is this universal language. and how important it is for the artist to create what they believe in that independent soulful music welcome to absolutely right india's first graphology based leadership show i am your host aditi sarana i am a behavioral analyst a high performance coach and founder of india's first mental gym called apt the website is aptmentalgym.com Our guest on the show today is the Chief Operating Officer of Universal Music India who by the way went against the current decided to focus on non-film music which is created by these talented phenomenal independent artists It's always fun to talk to a path breaker someone who's dedicated to give his or her best shot without worrying about the results. In today's conversation as I analyze Vinith's handwriting, he talks about what exactly does he do to bring the best ideas forward. He explains three things that you can keep in mind while dealing with your team and pursuing the excellence without compromising on the efforts. Without further ado, let me invite Vinith and get this conversation started. Hi Vinit, welcome to Absolutely Right. Hi Aditi, so happy to be here. So I asked Vinit to write a handwriting sample for us because the show is based on graphology which means handwriting analysis. He has written a paragraph on an unruled paper. Vinit before we start and jump in after how long did you write uh so i write every day uh, actually every morning when i come into office uh, i make copious amounts of notes on post it which are things to do for the day uh, and i keep striking them off so i ensure that before end of the day uh, i strike most of the things that i've written uh, in the morning oh nice and the ones that i have not completed i before i leave for the day uh, i tear the old post it put the fresh ones up there uh and leave it and leave the office uh, uh on that note so i know that this is what i need to start with tomorrow morning and then the other things have to get added so i write every single day okay so pause what you do is you write those notes and yes. once once they are done you if things are not done what do you do you keep them or you toss them to and you write fresh i write fresh by the end of the day uh the ones that are not done will go on to a new post it as fresh items so that this keeps churning every single day 
because the one that's done needs to get striked out but the postage needs to change by the end of the day or sometimes many times in a day as well let's put it like that okay uh i am going to try this i am a to do list fan but postage i haven't tried like that and just moving them around no i realized i realized that you know when you start making notes in a diary a lot of times things get lost and you one has an habit of adding way too many things that are required right, right? uh and i think postage is essentially only needed for urgent things they are not needed for important things important things you have to remember and you have to do them in life any okay. which so uh, yesterday when we were talking before the the conversation i said you are a taskmaster you love your end results and you agreed to it but this is how you do it that is your secret of actually getting things done have you always been like this or you learned it from someone specifically i observe people a lot uh, i think i learn a lot from people around me okay. and uh, this is a combination of the few people over the last i think two decades of my work experience where i have seen good different qualities in different people and i and i always uh, feel uh, that you know every time you interact with people there is always some good uh, which is so unique about that individual and uh, i am an absolutely greedy person so i try and absorb uh, the best out of the people and imbibe it in my life and then i have to fine tune it in my own way to see how it works uh, but yeah i'm constantly looking and observing people to see what is it that one unique thing that they have which is so amazing which would be which if if was a part of my armory uh, would add to my life uh, you just described my entire career and <laughs> format of the show <laughs> <laughs> so vinith you have this very interesting formation in your letter f you make you write f as if somebody is doing a vertical infinity sign or number 8 so it has a loop uh, in the on the top which is towards the right but the loop on on the bottom side is towards the left so it's like an eight formation done in in a vertical format wow i never realized that but i'm going to observe my f and see that okay please so that formation means that you plan to the t but when it comes to execution you're very intuitive you go with the flow you're creative in the moment as long as the final result is achieved you keep inventing reinventing newer ways of achieving the same task wow that's absolutely bang on aditi uh, okay. that i i uh, i think it's absolutely right let me say that first <laughs> yes uh, and like like 100% of every word what you said is right uh, yes that's how exactly i work uh, i love planning things i feel that uh, so here is a philosophy that i work with right uh, and i always tell my teams as well that focus on the input the output will take care of itself right and when you say that you have to focus on the input all you have to do is two parts you break that input into two parts part one of it is planning planning extensively uh, as if you're planning a war as if you're planning a game that you're going to play and as if it's it's the most important thing that's ever happened to you in your life mm-hmm. and then it is just about uh, breaking those into smaller tasks uh, and executing it mm-hmm. like i never feel overwhelmed by anything very large because in my head it uh, instantly breaks into various buckets like i said one breaks into a planning bucket one breaks into an execution bucket then within that it starts breaking into whether it's urgent whether it's important uh, whether it needs infrastructure i e people uh, so 
I start analyzing things very rapidly. I mean, I don't do this as an activity very consciously, but mm-hmm. I think this is how my mind breaks things down into smaller, smaller things. And then I feel all I need to do is just keep, if, if you've planned well, uh, all you need to do is just execute, keep reviewing time to time and uh, and the output will take care of itself. I, I, I very often don't get disappointed with the output because that's not what I am my ultimate focus is of course it's important to get the good result but i think as long as your input is right i mean output to me is it has to happen naturally i I don't think you need to leave anything to chance for the output to take place and you're right uh uh, because of this habit i keep fine-tuning uh everything that needs on the way so like nothing is cast in stone uh, uh, because you know it, it's like so for me everything is like a sports analogy it's like you're going to play a match of okay. cricket right uh, and what what happens uh, as a team captain there are a lot of there's a lot of planning you do but when you go into the match there are so many unknown variables that will come your way right a good yeah. captain is the one who's the one who can adapt to the situation so you right. then you quickly adapt uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, cowboy style doing things without thinking just doing them on the fly so i like my planning but then i'm always cognizant of the fact that there will be so many things that get thrown on your way which you are not going to be prepared for not ready for uh, as long as you're willing to accept and adapt i think you're fine cowboy with a posted to-do list i'm gonna remember that one thing that you do phenomenally well, or I, I, I should say that you used to do even better and now you struggle slightly with it is your ability to observe people and listen to them. Like when people are bringing their issues, something which is related to the problem or absolutely unrelated, I think most of the time you walk into parties and social situations and observe people. Like literally observe the minute habits that they have, their body language, things that otherwise most people miss on. People remember what people might have said or what they were wearing. But you would observe the micro uh, movements, micro expressions. And all of that is collected. You don't analyze all of this. Most of the time, I think you can survive observing people so much because you do not judge people for all of this. You just keep that as a data point. You know, just like literally like... uh, you walked in, you gathered all that information. But when it comes to decision making, you're cognizant of the fact that you have observed all of it. You know when people are uncomfortable, probably three months before they walk up to you and talk about the conflict. So you're aware. And that observation, I can see it is in the formation of letter E. Uh, and that talks about somebody with great listening skills. So, you know, how you have eye for detail is almost like having an ear that you can listen to and observe things which other people miss. Absolutely right. What should <laughs> I say? I mean, uh, no, you're absolutely right. I think uh, I'm very perceptive. Uh, I, uh, I think one of the biggest traits that I have in my life is that I am uh, uh, very straightforward. Uh, what you see is what you get. And uh, uh, I always feel that human beings are amazing people unless until they prove themselves wrong. So you have to wait for somebody to uh, screw up. Uh, Till then, uh, uh, everybody is good. Everybody has great qualities. Everybody has good intent. And they're just people like you, uh, like how you are, right? Uh, 
so uh, I uh, I love to know more about people. I for the last I think four or five years have been very influenced by this uh, uh, African philosophy of Ubuntu. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't know if everyone who's hearing it, this podcast is aware of what Ubuntu is, but I'll give you my simple, my understanding of it. Uh, basically, it means that I am who I am because of who you are. Right. I think it's it's the most uh, phenomenal example of teamwork. Yeah. Uh, and I have imbibed this philosophy both in my personal as well as my professional life. I think everything that I am able to do. Uh, if I'm able to do well, or even if I'm not able to do well, has a lot of contribution of a lot of people in and around me, right? Uh, and so to me, uh, uh, every human being in my life is extremely important. And I love to be present uh, when I'm having conversation with people. And I think that allows me, uh, I've seen very often, a lot of people come to me and tell me things that they are not supposed to tell uh, anybody else. So mm -hmm. I get to hear a lot. So people land up trusting me because again, like I said, I, I, I you can expect that if you come and have a conversation with me, I'll give you a very honest opinion, uh, honest feedback. Uh, I will never use whatever you've told me against you for my advantage or somebody else's advantage. Uh, so people have that faith and trust uh, that they're able to develop. And I think because of that, uh, I, I just seem to get to know that something's wrong when I'm having conversation with someone and I'm able to kind of very subconsciously think uh, very often I land up even knowing what the cause is. So, yeah, I think I'm very fortunate that way. I don't know how this happens, but yeah, it does. No, I think it's not a matter of being fortunate. You work very hard at making people feel comfortable. Probably you don't realize it, but that whole trust or their ability to say whatever they shouldn't be telling you comes from the fact that you have earned that respect and that trust over the years. So these people have seen you in the most difficult situations, making choices that otherwise uh, not expected from someone who is business. I hope so. The, the, that's the only part I haven't analyzed why people trust me so much, but uh, I am hoping that I'm doing something right because of this they are. <laughs> So I also agree with the other part that you said in, in handwriting, we have the lowercase letter T that looks like a cross, which has okay. a point at the bottom. That means you are extremely straightforward. So you do say things that people do not wish to hear. They do not yes. want anybody to say to their faces, but uh, you do take pride in that. Oh, absolutely. And I do that again. Like I think I, 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 I don't distinguish uh, you know, myself as an individual in my personal and professional life. What uh, is that? That's, ex that's so uh, that I, I am exactly the way I am when I'm at work with mm -hmm. people. I am exactly the same when I'm with my family or my friends. Uh, I'm as straightforward. I'm as honest. Uh, uh, I am as focused, as fun-loving. Uh, so I, I don't believe that uh, you know, people can have a work self and a personal self. Uh, yeah. That's what I think. I think that there is only one self because uh, if there, there can be only one true self, right? Uh, so I believe that there can only be one true self uh, and which you put out, you put the same self out at work, you put the same self out in your personal life. I mean, it, it's, it just can't be different. I mean, so you don't I, have I, like I a same face on, like a work face on, you don't have all of that. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, somewhere I've always tend to believe that when people say that, you know, you're in a work mode, you're in a personal mode, that sounds like schizophrenia to me. That's like two different personalities in your head. How can you be, yeah, like how can you be X when you're at 
the office and how can you be why when you walked in back home that means literally there are two different people living in your head and i mean that i think that 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 uh, ailment i assume is called schizophrenia right yeah as long as you're not an actor there's a problem there of course yeah yeah makes exactly sense. right yeah and and i agree with you partially and i'm saying i'll explain why i say partially because we graphologically speaking we say signatures talk about who you are in public and handwriting talks about who you are as a person now your okay. handwriting and your signature is very similar now what you just said exactly fits in now there are two things that you or three that you add when you're in your public role and probably you do it to amplify your voice or amplify your presence in a situation one is you would be more driven by what the role demands so that that constant need to do sure. what you need it so that become that takes precedence you are more enthusiastic because you when you're running a team or you when you're in a public space you have to gather other people who are not as much on board so that time you become little more uh, you know you probably you do certain things to involve people more so that is a second thing and third you uh, crack more jokes uh so i agree with the first two i would okay. say absolutely right on that one uh, but on the third one no i think i have developed a sense of humor uh, i think any in any situation uh, no matter how adverse the situation is uh, one should just find some humor in it and it's okay to do so it just breaks the uh i think the the stressful thoughts uh and i think it brings everybody back onto the same page and on the same wave right okay. uh because i'm a big fan like even at work or whether at home right i feel that there is no problem in the world that cannot be solved if the intention is to solve the problem uh what i think most of the people struggle with is identifying the right problem uh, finding solutions is very very easy uh, according to me uh what's most difficult is to actually find what the root cause or the core problem is most of the people don't are not unable to crack what the problem is and hence they struggle with variety of solutions that don't yield the result that they desire okay this is very subjective but can you give us an example because this is interesting and i talk about this a lot being a behavioral analyst i feel people talk about stress anxiety at large and they are like you know saying okay let me meditate let me just you know take a break from work and i said that doesn't work because if you don't know where your anxiety is coming from just doing things because other people are doing it won't work for you so you have to go to the root cause but in your business decision kind of context how would you apply that oh so multiple things i mean uh, i can tell you about this recent conversation uh, as a team where we were uh, having recently right uh, so we are in the music business uh, which is artist and content space and uh, as you would have observed that because the last few years of the pandemic uh, a lot of things have significantly changed right consumer taste preferences have changed uh, right. the platforms where consumers consume content has changed uh, a lot of uh, things in the ecosystem have changed we stand to benefit a lot out of uh, the pandemic I was about uh, because to say, of what, yeah. yeah because of what we're trying to do and we've been on an amazing high i was having a conversation with my team saying that you know whilst we're doing everything uh, i still think that the kind of success that we all uh, deserve uh, or desire both uh, uh, is missing 
and we must figure uh, why certain things that we're doing in the business are not working right and i mean all of us spoke for together as a team brainstormed about this situation for about two hours with variety of things uh, uh being identified as okay this is the problem this is the problem this is the problem uh till uh, by the end of it i think we came down to a conclusion saying hey this is neither x y z are the problem the problem is a uh, now I'm 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 unable to break it for reasons no, no, of business that's right. that is- but we came out with the identification of the problem. So that day, at the end of two hours, we didn't have a solution. But what I was most happy about, and uh, as a team, we were very happy about, is that we've identified what the problem is. Now that what we know what the problem is, it's far easy to find the solution. So, so just to like, though we don't know the problem or specifically, but how how long did you think after? identifying the correct problem you took to really resolve it so uh, it's taken us a couple of weeks to brainstorm and come up with solution those solutions when put into play might take six months to yield the results that, that we need but true. we at least know that the problem is identified the solution is in play now it's just about like I said simple thing Microsoft. it's execution yeah. right right the boss who rejects your ideas every now and then or your spouse who's extremely critical about trying anything new Do you sometimes wonder if they are narrow-minded people or what? If you're just wondering about it, then stop wondering and look for their handwriting sample. Look for letters like M, A and this time just observe the width of the letter. Is it narrow as if it is being squeezed between two breads or is it wide as if a beanbag is comfortably sitting on the floor? If you find the letters squeezed, uncomfortably placed next to one another, then these tight letters talk about the person who is slightly narrow-minded. Someone who is extremely judgmental of themselves. They do not express their ideas easily and constantly operate with caution. No matter where they go, they're like, are you sure? Is it what we should do? Is it what I should be paying attention to? That caution always keeps them on their toes and never allows them to relax and just have a good time. Whereas if the letters are extremely wide, like wider than the normal wide can look like, if they're extremely wide, then the person is too chilled out to deal with any problem. Whatever comes their way, they're like, yeah, we'll figure it out. So the other extreme of being broad-minded also allows you to accept your feeling for what they are and express what you feel and what you think openly. I know identifying narrow-minded and open-minded people is much easier than dealing with one. So in today's Coach the Coach segment, let's talk about how to deal with the narrow-minded people. Let me resume the conversation with Vineet and in the next segment, we'll come back and talk about Coach the Coach. So uh, Vineet, one of the things that I, I feel is interesting in the way you function is the the concept, the vision that you have, you have always shown a lot of focus and courage to take steps. And I'm not saying this to praise you, but you know, there were uncomfortable moments multiple times in your career where other people said, okay, let's drop the idea. Let's not go about it because this is too risky or, you know, it might cost us huge amount of money. You still stuck around with those decisions. And that's what obviously now when you look back, great amazing but while making the decision for any leader that's a tough part so what exactly do you do at that crossroads 
So actually, there are two things to this, Aditi. You know, I uh, like uh, as you grow older. I think I'm going to turn 45 next month. Uh, uh, I have realized that you you definitely become a little wiser, right? Okay. Uh, I I have done a lot of introspection to realize that uh, I love uh, living on the edge. So you know, there are there are sports people who love the thrill of the sport, yeah. and there are adventure sports guys who love doing variety of adventures because it gives them a high. What I have realized that uh, in my work. uh i love uh doing things that have never been done before uh thinking of things that have never been thought before uh because i always start from the point where if i have to do something uh, uh i have to see how this adds to the legacy that i'm going to leave behind right when you work in an industry for 15 years 20 years 25 years 30 years there are so many uh, great executives that would have worked in the industry right. uh, i don't want to be one of the great executives who worked in the industry or i don't want to be just the great executive who worked in the industry uh, what i want is i want to leave a legacy behind i want to do something which uh, can give back to the society it can give back to uh, uh, the work that that has given me so much of uh success and recognition in my field uh and i want to leave something behind which people can say that wow i mean those guys I, it's never about me it's always about the team so those guys were responsible for what they've done uh so i think every decision making process involves a very big question uh on bigger things uh, how does this help in building or taking the legacy further So what you are saying is pursuit of excellence over perfectionism, Absolutely. trying to prove a point, seeking validation. But beneath, with all due respect, isn't it easier said than done? So again, I think uh, it's very important. I uh, two ways to look at it. Uh, uh, you have to decide: are you uh, are you running a hundred meter race or are you running a marathon? Right? In my head, I'm running a marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a marathon there are a lot of times when you know you have to speed up you have to run faster you have to so that it allows gives you an opportunity to go ahead of your competitors uh, but uh, i look at it as a marathon so i mean if if a career is 30 35 years and i am 20 into it i'm half with it uh, i still have another half to go uh, i don't need validation i am not looking for excitement where people talk about wow what a great work you've done i want to see that the work that we've done as a team uh, uh brings about such a phenomenal change uh, that things become completely different from there on and a classic example let me give you is you know uh, about 4 years back mm-hmm. uh, i wanted uh, us to create a culture and category for non film music in india right uh, right. right and we started uh, uh, with a lab- with one of our indigenous labels that i co-founded called viral originals and uh, i can tell you that over the last 4 or 5 years the hard work that we as an organization as a team have put into it has resulted in creating a category for music which is outside the film uh to me uh, i think it's a, the gratification is in the fact that today uh, there are hundreds of artists who are getting an right. opportunity who right. wouldn't have got that uh, i believe these artists will now help us to take the music from india to the rest of the world right i think we have some of the finest creative people in this country uh, and we've seen that in every sphere of life right i mean you look at some of the biggest heads of multinational companies uh, overseas oh, yeah. they're all indians yeah. right around the world. Uh, why is it that our uh, musicians and artists don't have that opportunity to do so and uh, so again like i said 
as you describe this i'm getting goosebumps and you know somebody working very hard to create that platform is what it takes people remember the artists they remember the the singers the musicians but people who build platforms are mostly forgotten but still being committed and being in the pursuit of excellence is amazing thank you thank you for doing this work and the reality is that the first 15 years of my career all the roles that i have done had everything to do with business and nothing to do right. with creative uh so we as a family we were out on a holiday uh, uh in i think some some sometime back in 2016 or 2017 uh and uh, we took my daughter to uh, disneyland in paris mm-hmm. right and suddenly things changed in my life again being in that environment uh, two things i must say one is like i probably think my daughter was at that point in time about 8 or 9 years old uh, i enjoyed the disneyland as much as she did <laughs> oh maybe more than her honestly right and the second thing is that i i absorbed so much of stuff around there in the disneyland which made me feel oh my god like what did this guy actually achieve look at it i mean generations after generations are talking about it why why can't i do something in the business oh, no. that i can that people someday can talk about it and uh, have a conversation around right and so i think that's how i mean things have a moment happen completely eureka moment and i said that okay if i've done everything that i ha- i had to do in the music business or you know from a business standpoint what is it that i have not done and the answer came back saying that i've never worked with artists never done music at all so i said okay here's the moment let's try this out and uh, let's see if there to a business brain there is a creative side to it or not and i can tell you safely that after 5 years i have discovered that i am a very well balanced left and a right brained individual Yeah, in this entire process. So, a to-do list baking cowboy in a Disneyland musical. Oh my God, this is getting more and more interesting. We're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation with Vineet on the other side of a segment called Coach the Coach, and uh, let's get started. It's four forty-four a.m. and I wonder how my feeble alarm has woken up. the crows outside but if you hear that please excuse me let's focus on today's conversation where we speak about how to deal with narrow minded people if you have to coach them coaching is all about talking to people about things that no one else can talk to them about now if you have to talk with a narrow minded people who are already judging themselves and not open to the idea to begin with what exactly do you do what are you going to do buddy narrow minded people are mostly closed on certain areas not everything so it's a presumptuous idea to walk into a conversation thinking oh my god you're narrow minded you're not going to be open to talk about anything any which ways that's not true there are certain things that they are extremely uncomfortable about or they have their triggers in or they are feeling uncomfortable or betrayed upon that much of baggage to deal with in one conversation is not possible So second thing keep in mind if you're talking to a narrow minded person then you will have to give them some time third explain the point by showing your commitment and showing other people's results now this one is a tricky one if they think that whatever you're talking about you're not truly committed to you're just saying it for the heck of it no matter how beautiful the solution is they will reject it in order to make your life easier think about an example a case study someone else's way of implementing the same thing in their life has caused them to see this huge transformation instead of telling if you show them 
it works much better for them most people spend all the time in discussing thing instead of exposing this person to the possibility of what your opinion your suggestion or your idea can do lastly remember they are close minded on many things to begin with do not expect them to be excited about your idea instead create a little ramp for them to take some baby steps and accept the idea for what it is instead of buying the new fridge that you think is the best solution take your spouse to a store where they can actually see the fridge make them talk to people who already own that model or the online reviews where people have written the honest opinions about what they think about the product and lastly do not try to convince them instead try and have a conversation which means do not walk into a conversation to convince them that they should eat the broccoli that you have made instead have a conversation and say hey do you have any point of view about broccoli they will say oh my god i hate it oh there is something new that i have created or i have bought would you like to give it a shot they're like mm, i don't think i want to experiment with my food anymore this one instagram influencer was talking about it and the reviews on zomato by the way are interesting take a look now here you're not trying to convince them to like something all you're doing is asking them to try a little bit portion of the broccoli that they might enjoy as you believe so and finally if they do not agree if they do not still like you or your suggestion then please do not take it personally and that is my coach the coach i hope this helps you deal with the unnecessary amount of stress that you experiencing right now because you do not know how to deal with the problem that's exactly what we teach you in india's first mental gym called apt so do check out the link and make sure that you subscribe and like this conversation let's get back to our conversation vineet and let's get started so vineet over to you what questions do you have for me so the first question is that you know i mean pressure is a part of everybody's job right i mean no matter what job you are doing at what level there always is pressure so as a coach what do you advise uh, uh you know people as to how to deal with pressure i mean i mean uh, like are there techniques are there like what do you advise people to do can you see me blushing i know my listeners can't but this is my favorite question but before i oh, jump amazing. into the answer would you like to give us like why are you asking is there any context is there any story any reason behind it no because i feel that different people deal with pressure differently uh, i have uh, a different way of dealing with things which i tell my teams uh, i'm going to save that after i hear what you have to say just stay curious to hear your point okay. of view on this so i look at coaching high performers like coaching a sports team and my sports analogies might not be correct because i don't watch much of sports but the whole psychology and getting somebody to perform at their highest level is something that i thrive on and i keep observing people a lot like that now what i feel is one tool might not work with everybody obviously not because we are different people we have personalities which are woven into our triggers our fears our desires so we create like this unique story that can be propelled by a specific tool so there is a quest there is like this this game that we have to play with people until we find the right code for that particular bag to open and once that code clicks then your lock opens and people are fun- fundamentally beautiful as you were talking about it 
but what i really like uh, so we run india's first mental gym called apt wow. and uh, one of my first setting the context kind of concepts were if you want to become a high performer is to build something called stress appetite we talk nice. about stress and the first thing we want to do is avoid it we think stress is a bad thing we don't want to deal with it but let's look at your role or any leader that you consider successful are they less stressful or more stressed than other people it's just that after some time you start building the muscle and that appetite to digest certain amount of stress without getting perturbed by it and that's what we want to do we want to build that ability to digest more stress and be steady in that environment for example first day of driving so many moving particles you have no clue what to control if it is a manual car gear and then brakes and the accelerator and you're just like all over the place and just three years into it three months into it when you have gained control the same thing becomes much smoother is it stressful of course it is but now you're not stressed because all these moving particles are in your control so people in different contexts have to learn that in, in order to excel in whichever job that they have they have to build stress appetite so are there are you asked me another question that are there any tools of course there are like there are multiple tools in which you can do it but the most commonly found one is where you question yourself and keep challenging your edge people when they stop growing professionally i think one thing that they do very common across board across culture across you know globally i have seen this happening people just become comfortable and they settle in and i think that's the worst thing you can do to your career you can just settle. 100% i mean should i say absolutely right i can say <laughs> i agree with you a thousand percent on that like uh being comfortable is actually not a good place to be in oh my god yes and and people if you become physically comfortable we see you know how our bodies are not as toned as they used to when you are like active same thing Correct. happens with mind you just get into this lethargy and when you have a bigger problem than what you would like to solve and if it that makes you uncomfortable your mind starts telling you it's not that important let's not do it it's okay if you don't do it and the only thing that drives people then is fear and that's why people become stressed and anxious and not stress and in control so to be stressed and in control you will have to put you into those uncomfortable situations on a regular basis so you build your muscle there nice i think that makes sense i agree with you so there so you know i mean, i discovered something very interesting so i was watching a netflix documentary about 2 years ago i can't remember the name of the documentary okay. uh, but it was about uh, some of the top uh, sports coaches in the world okay uh and and in one of the episodes uh, one of the uh, basketball nba coaches uh made a statement right uh mm-hmm. because of course it's a, you know these sports are like absolutely high pressure and stuff and yeah. what he said uh resonated so strongly with me uh i felt that i discovered some hidden jewel right it was like it hit me so hard so i'm going to I'm going to use what he said he said the pressure is a privilege Oh my god. Yes, totally. That's, totally. Yeah, yeah, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. It, unbelievable. I mean, and you know, it came and hit me like a truck and uh, I think this is one of the first things when people talk to me about pressure, I tell them that listen, I, I think you're privileged uh if you have pressure and if you can understand 
the you know the context behind why pressure is a privilege uh, i think half your problem is solved oh, yes. right oh my god please but, but please explain yeah. are you referring to the playbook the playbook absolutely yeah. that's right that's the right name uh and i don't remember the name of the coach but i recommended uh that to the entire organization and maybe another few thousand people say that please please watch, watch that. this yeah. uh, because uh you know uh again like i said uh so for me uh, uh even when i'm watching entertainment i'm reading a book i'm having a conversation i i there is so much to absorb mm-hmm. and there are so many things that come and hit me for me that entertainment the conversation or what i've read in the book does not end over there uh, i have the ability to take and carry that forward think about it contextualize it see how it can be put into practice in my life uh, and practice it sufficiently before having conversation about it to anyone you know uh, because i feel if it can help me uh, uh, the only reason i go and talk about these things to so many people is because i think if it has helped me i want to tell you maybe if it helps you that will be a great thing i mean i would have done something small but it's you know it's my contribution back into your life uh, however insignificant it might be and the other thing on pressure is like you know i i I mean, how I dealt with it uh, earlier in the earlier days was that I I don't fear failure, and I don't think people should fear failure. I just I think that in your, because it's as simple as that. You know, there are good days in your life, there are bad days in your life. Uh, so similarly, there will be successes and there will be failures. Like right? as long as you're willing to look at your failures and say that okay, here are five things that I've learned out of this, and I'm going to take the good things out of this and put it into play. Uh, because I mean, somewhere I think. the concept that everything that you do is going to be successful is to me a very utopian concept i don't think it exists right there is nobody who's right all the time there's nobody who's wrong all the time uh, and there are there is no individual who's happy every day there's no individual who's sad all the time right so i think good and bad sad and happy i think success and failure are two sides of the same coin so you should not fear failure if you want to do different things if you want to do things that will change the shape of Yeah, uh, things in the world. Uh, then you will have to take risks, and the moment you take risks, some you win, some you lose. Uh, as long as you win more and you lose less, uh, you have a successful career and a successful life ahead. So, Vinita, I want to pause you here, and I, I love this concept of you know embracing failure. But two two questions here. One is in a corporate culture where everything that you do eventually leads to did you achieve or you didn't. uh is it showing on your appraisal list or not so though we would love to have the creative freedom to do it uh one question is what if somebody is genuinely trying and they're not able to achieve the results and if that person is part of your team how do you look at it and second what if somebody is not trying you know you know some people can really try something new now you we believe that failure is a great idea on the basis that you would give your best shot but what if somebody is unwilling to give the best shot how do you deal with it then so again uh, so let's look at the former ones where people are actually genuinely putting their 200% i think again i'll go back to what i said focus on the input output will take care of itself so mm-hmm. don't get too strong on the output right you ensure that your input is right as long as you know that you've given 200% and you can go to sleep saying that i could not have done one more extra thing to have a different result or i could have not have done one more thing that could have influenced a different result i think you are fine because it's a new which is out of your control so you did the best that you understood uh and despite of 
maybe collective wisdom or individual wisdom, uh, it didn't work out the way you expected it to work out, right? So as a leader, uh, you believe that you would support a person like that no matter whether the result... 500%. I would say 500%. I would back the individual, okay. right? Uh, but uh, I have a large issue with people who do not want to try, right? So then again, <laughs> uh, such people, uh, the way I see it is again, like my job as a leader is twinfold. Some days I am the captain of the team. Some days I'm the coach of the team. Right, and I have to play both the roles simultaneously. Uh, uh, you know, when I come to work, uh, as a captain of the team, uh, you back individuals uh, who you believe who are willing to give uh, everything that they have. Uh, and so sometimes you look at an individual, and when you see that this individual does not have the ability to do what you're asking them to do, then either you've put the wrong individual in in the role. Uh, or uh, the role continues to stay what that role is and you need to kind of go and change the individual. And I feel that in a, in a high performance environment, uh, it is okay to let go of such people because it's good for both. It's good for the organization as well as for the individual because the individual is constantly struggling to meet the expectations which he or she does not have uh, in them to deliver. So help them because such individuals may not make the decision themselves. So help them to move away from what they are doing so that they find their true calling and they are good at what something okay. else that they can do, right? Uh, or you readjust your expectations about the role. Whether Is that exactly what you're expecting? Because then if nobody is able to meet that requirement, then maybe my, my or the leader's expectations Idea. are unrealistic about it. Yeah. Okay. You said two questions. What's the second one? So second question is that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, one of the things that I've learned as a leader, especially in the last five years, is that uh, as a leader, uh, it's very important to have MB dexterity in the business, right? Like, how do you uh, run and invent at the same time, right? Uh, keep an eye on today because you have goals that you need to meet today, but how do you ensure that you can ride the wave even tomorrow, right? So, I mean, do you have any advice? Again, like, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any techniques that a leader should put into practice so that, you you know, he or she can successfully uh, balance the present in conjunction with where the future needs to pan out? So, I would also add another angle to it. Like, of course, we'll talk about this in the moment uh, fighting the fire and taking a back seat and looking at the vision board and really achieving and navigating people. But also I think in today's time, we require someone who is focused by focused and objective with the, uh, with the things that one should do. And at the same time, be empathetic. So there is also other aspect of it. So the way we look at ambidexterity only to the goals, long-term and short-term, it's also like the, uh, the yin-yang part of it or the, oh the you know feminine and masculine part of it and i think that is also needed for every leader to answer your first question i believe that every at, a, at a, every regular interval if you create a system create a mechanism in which you can question yourself and i i think for every leader doing it every single day as introspection, as journaling, as a technique where you take a few steps back. In Yoga Sutra, it is called Swadhyay. And I love that word. It means two things. One is to study what you have done and how far you have come and you know, all of that, like the study of what is happening. Sure. The second word of Swadhyay is studying yourself. 
So what space were you operating from when you made that decision? What exactly were you thinking? And were you driven by fear? Were you driven by desire? Were you short-sighted? Were you really believing in those ideas? And when you do that naturally, you have that ability to take a step back and look at things. And that's why when you fall, fail, or you uh, offend people, you have the courage to go and apologize. But people can't do it because they get fixated with the idea. Sure. If you think that the future idea that you want to achieve is the idea, there is a problem because then you won't be able to change and alter and move to the next one. Sure. One thing that I learned from the author of this book called The New Alchemist is there's a couple in their 80, when they were 85 or 90, they came to India for, to present and talk about their book. They interviewed, I think, 10 or 12 successful high-performing individuals in London. One of them was Sir Richard Branson. And he was talking wow. about, the, the husband was talking about this idea of like, how do you keep growing? How do you keep moving forward? And to keep the learning curve steep, he said, you have to have multiple small learning curves. So if your objective is very clear that I want to leave a legacy behind, then what you're demanding of yourself every single day as an individual is I would give my best shot and I would show up Absolutely. with high intensity and complete involvement. But the other part of it is I would be completely detached and look at things for what they are. Okay. I think the I second think part... That's a great important. perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great perspective. I, I kind of agree with you because I think detachment is such an important part of this entire process. Uh, and again, in our business, is one of the most difficult things, right? Because, uh, you know, in a creative business, you find a lot of people who are very passionate. I mean, if, because if people are not passionate, they can't be creative. And then to have passion and detachment to go hand in hand uh, is... Uh, is a complexity of another level. Uh, and, and what people think is either you can be emotional and passionate or you can be detached and cold and business-minded. Correct. Which is, is broken by many athletes, many performers, you know, many creative uh, professionals who said, okay, I'm going to be as creative and crazy as needed, but I'm not going to leave the business side. And if I have to break it down to behavior and personality, what they talk about is intensity that is 100%. And detachment is 100%. And, and just to simplify this, every now and then you keep asking yourself, not what I desire to do here, but what do I require to do here? That's my simplest That's nice. journaling question. So you sit down and say, okay, what do I require to do here in, as, a, you know, as a father, as a business leader, as a person who is really passionate in leaving the legacy behind, whatever roles that we have signed up for as a husband, as, as a friend, and then you say, what do I require to do here? This is where you get out of your identification, that ego, you know, uh, mask nice. that we have built. The no, no, that, I think that's a very powerful statement that you've made, right? And I, I think that's going to be one of my key takeaways from this conversation. Today. Glad. Yeah. My favorite journaling question. I keep going back to it. You know, sometimes in the moment when you feel you're in a pressure situation and we all do it naturally. Of we're course. Like, okay, uh, it's not so imagine like mothers who are super passionate and emotional about their kids if the child falls they get into this mode what do i require to do here because they are not like the mothers who are like you know like making sure that the child is happy they are now like the nurses the doctors the care takers so just do what is required to be done people who can move to like what do i require to do kind of a zone every now and then voluntarily they just become functional and amazing under pressure is what I have seen as a coach. Amazing. This is great insights. Thank you. Thank you. So Vinit, 
last before we conclude this whole conversation i would like to to have three takeaways i already had a few but if you have to like conclude three things that only vineet can teach us what would they be uh let me think uh okay so the first one is which i uh, again i mean the things that i say i definitely practice them in my life like i said i have to first experiment on myself if they are working effectively i love to share it with people right so the first one of it is uh, uh something that i keep telling uh, everybody uh, is that deserve before you desire uh right uh, because you know uh, whether it's your personal whether it's your professional life what happens is that all of us are driven by desires uh, we think all of us are entitled we should have the best things in life the world should come to a standstill because it's us right uh, we are the supreme uh, thanks to instagram it is created. proven over and over again exactly exactly yeah. but, but i think no that's not how you individual people should think uh, you should think do you deserve that what have you done to deserve that whether again whether it's your professional whether it's your personal life and which means what is your input in this entire process why is it that uh, you know uh, you should be given what you're asking mm-hmm. i have led my entire professional life on it which means what i'd land up doing is uh, if today i have a job uh, as a chief operating officer uh, i actually i'm practicing the job of a managing director or a ceo uh, because i know that if i want to become an nd ceo uh, either i can keep waiting for people to make me one or i step up my game so well that uh, uh, whenever the time is right uh, i can actually demand for it because i'm already doing that job wow. so nobody can deny what you have already done uh, uh, it's very difficult for people not to give you for what you actually deserve uh, rather than uh, waiting asking thinking Uh, of ways that how can it become a part of my life so so there i think one thing is deserve before you desire i have to add something this is from the book the atomic habits uh, where james clear the author talks about identity based habit formation uh, what he talks about is exactly what you said he said if you want to become an author published author one day all of that all of that just get into everyday writing because when you write even for 15 minutes in your mind you're becoming a writer in that period Absolutely. So if you want Absolutely. to become like that next avatar that you are really passionate about, Absolutely. like work towards it on a daily basis. And that's why I think probably that's why you said you don't get overwhelmed by bigger tasks because you have a mechanism to build yourself towards it. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, the other thing is uh, that uh, I believe uh, that to have good things in life, you really have to work very hard. Uh, but the best things in life happen to you. Wow. Uh, uh, oh, okay. okay. Wait. What do you mean, like? Are you not supposed to work hard to build the greatness in your life? Like the best things you 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 make them happen. Is it not that? So again, you know, I I love distinguishing things into buckets. Okay. Uh, like good things, bad things, best things. Uh, like you know, important, urgent, all of that. Right. Okay. Uh, I feel that uh, as an individual, you 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 must really strive hard uh, to get good things in life. uh and the way i distinguish good from the best things is that uh, uh you know something that probably makes you feel oh my god if i ever had that that's like so amazing mm-hmm. i feel you don't really need to work hard for it because if you've done the basics if you've done the hard work for the good things <laughs> the best things naturally will land up happening to you right? okay you and have to I- give us an example this is complex i like like imagine like somebody getting like that moment of oscar besides will smith it is like a moment where you really really look forward to it and and you enjoy it but but what are you talking about like are you not working hard to make that happen 
you know, I'm going to try and draw a parallel, uh, maybe from a personal life, so that it's very easy for people to kind yeah. of understand, right? Uh, ask yourself that you know uh, the the spouse or the let's say a particular person in your life who's the most dearest in your life uh, 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 became a part of your life. How hard did you actually have to work for it? Uh, right? Uh, like how hard, what are the things that you turn the world around for that to happen? Very often you will realize that very little you did in your life. Yeah. Uh, like I shared up, some uh, of the best, like shave puri or something to with my best friend at a, at a casual party. So yeah, this is where we first got talking. So you didn't do much. You didn't do much, right? But they happened to you. Yeah. They happened to you. But to find that person in your life, there are a hundred things that you became as an individual, which you must have done over your lifetime to deserve that. Right. So that's what I think that's, I don't know if I've been trying to that's explain beautiful. It. So things yeah. are happen by chance. Most of the time, best things happen by chance, but you keep preparing to build yourself. Like, as you that's said, it. Yeah. okay. And, right. and, and the third thing is I always feel that stay hungry. Uh, staying hungry is very important. I think it's the best recipe for success. Okay. Uh, and when I say stay hungry, I, I mean, literally, like never keep your stomach completely full because the moment your stomach is full, it slows down your body. It slows down your mind. It slows down everything, uh, puts you into a very comfortable or a lethargic zone. Okay. Uh, so uh, I think one of the biggest, best recipes to success is to kind of stay hungry, eat little. Uh, you stay fit also. If you're fit and if you're healthy, your mind, your body, everything works well. Uh, you are able to kind of push yourself to uh, greater limits and hence to me I mean staying hungry is extremely important I mean, don't starve that's not what I uh, yeah not uh, hungry. hungry guys hungry exactly only hungry yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> like I, I eat five meals in a day literally yeah. five meals in a day but I'm hungry I'm always hungry always hungry yeah. so Vineet what you said you know like I, I'm trained as a yoga teacher and I'm deriving from that space also but in, in Yoga Sutra or in yoga practice, they talk about being empty stomach Your keeps your mind and your, your overall nervous system very alert. And little bit of that starving is required for you to look at things, have higher perception because also biologically it is proven over and over again. When you are hungry, you are looking and gathering all the information. That's our animalistic instinct. So from spirituality to business to creativity to also the the work that you're talking about i think it's amazing how one can apply all the rules actually that you spoke about thank you so much this was wonderful thank you aditi your insights were phenomenal i think i've discovered a lot of things about myself through your process of deciphering my handwriting uh, no no it's been uh, it's been amazing chatting thank you Thank you so much for joining us one more time on India's first graphology-based leadership show called Absolutely Right. If you find this whole magical, fascinating world of graphology as mesmerizing as it is for you, then do learn about our next batch where I teach graphology 20 factors, some phenomenal insights and ways in which you can give feedback to people. The website link is aditisurana.com slash learn graphology. If you want to tell me something, if you want to share an experience, you can write to me. My email ID is writewrite at aditisurana.com. I look forward to seeing you next week. Till then, happy writing.